Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing season one of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Damask Leary, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Can't complain. Um, I want to share some exciting news with you. We got... I don't love you. It's some sort of confession coming at me. I'm not interested. We got our first ever email... Do you want to hear what it said? It's called, where is your email as a subject line? This comes from Brad <laughs> S. <laughs> and the message simply states, you should definitely have your email posted rather than this form. He found this via the, the Hunting Seasons website. Oh, yeah, good. <laughs> I thought Bit that of was... critique? Right Wait, on. is that it? That was the entire <laughs> email. <laughs> Wait, th- so he wanted to clearly email <laughs> us about something. Yes. And they was like, you know what? Bigger fish to fry. I'm going to critique your form, <laughs> which I am unhappy with. That's exactly what happened. So I want to thank Brad Wait, S. I Brad assume S? he's listening. <laughs> Brad, thank you for your piece of uh, advice, for your constructive criticism. I've I got now- some constructive criticism <laughs> for Brad S. Um, go fuck yourself. <laughs> no. <laughs> I have since added the email address into that bit as well. The form still exists. You may use the form. I must say, Brad, the form did work quite well. Because I got your email. Yeah. So that was helpful. Um, no, I'll, I'll be honest. Brad S. Moron. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, I've added the email address there. It's there for you now if you really desperately And also, so don't we mention the email every podcast? Actually, we do. Off topic, hot topic, yeah. every single podcast. Fancy that. Nah, Brad S. is a moron. <laughs> Not interested in you. Good point. <laughs> uh, and with that, uh, let's get into off topic, hot topic. Off topic, hot topic. That's whatever you were talking about for you. Off Topic Hot Topic is our news and views segment where we get to talk about the headlines of the TV world and discuss the stuff we've been watching that isn't this week's season of television. If you'd like to contribute a topic or story to Off Topic Hot Topic, you can do so via our email at <laughs> contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. Brad S, this is for you, homie. <laughs> or tweet us at huntingscast. Twitter also works, Brad S. <laughs> it's a really good idea to aggravate our audience. I like this. I'm just one guy, Brad S. I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, no news in Fuller. His life is cancelled at this point. I think I'm not sure what's going on. <laughs> um, some headlines. 
This one you'll like, Damascus. Big, Big Mouth, the <gasps> uh, acclaimed comedy uh, animated series on the Netflix. The best. The best, yes. Will return for a third season. It has been confirmed. Oh, it's so good, guys. Seriously, watch it. Last week, we talked about how Sabrina is getting a Christmas special, and mm-hmm. you mentioned Doctor Who isn't getting one this year. Mm. Well, Doctor Who is skipping Christmas, but it'll have a special on New Year's instead. Well, that's confusing, but sure. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we can expect that on January 1st, apparently. That's pretty exciting. Yeah. I, the... From what I've heard, the sort of the talk around is basically that um, the new showrunner, Chris Chibnall, did not have any ideas for any good uh, Christmas episodes. I was like, let's do uh, New Year's instead. Okay. I, I sure. appreciate that honesty. Yep. W- why not? Uh, Damask, what do you have for off, to- off topic, off topic? So, last night, it was getting a bit late. I was hanging out at my girlfriend's house and we're like, what should we watch as like the last little, the end of the evening? We'll, we'll put on a little Netflix-y was he, thing. Were you doing a marathon or something? I mean, Just a sexual it. marathon. Yes. <laughs> and this is how you. No Broad cigarettes was so anymore. disappointed with my <laughs> response. No cigarettes, not a cuddle. Let's it's chuck a on Netflix. a Netflix yeah. series. Okay, yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's what's happening. It's much healthier. Um, and a like, cuddle? <laughs> a cuddle and some Netflix. Yeah, then, sure, no, sure. I meant then do. a cigarette. Yeah. Obviously, that, that's true. That, that'll kill you, I hear. <laughs> um, Rumor has it. Yeah. Great Adele song. Anyway, <laughs> so we popped on, like, it was a simple title appeared. It just said Dogs. Oh. And well. we looked at each other, we're like, well, we both like dogs. Fans. Fans of the species, one might say. So we pressed play, watched the first episode, wept. Wept? We're like, well, let's try the next episode. Wept some more. Wow. It's, look, guys, it is. Oh, it's an emotional minefield. It's a lot to take in because dogs are beautiful and I'm a cat lady. I'm very open about my cat ladiness. I identify as that. Mm -hmm. Um, Huge part of my identity. I'm staring at my cat right now and I was just telling Brod how much I wanted to kiss her on the chin because it's the perfect chin. And and eat her. Spread her like apricot jam on a muffin, I think is the... Well, uh... she looks like apricot jam. She is delicious. Anyway. Um, so, yes, I'm a cat lady, but this show, it's like Queer Eye plus dogs. So, just imagine that. <laughs> it's a winning formula. Yeah, get your tear ducts uh, ready, loosened, because they're going to be spraying forth, let me tell you. It's a good time, slash an awful time, oh. slash really teach you about who you are as a person. So, this is not just the happy tear emotions. Oh, it's a lot going on. Some devastating. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second episode I watched um, was about a Syrian refugee who had moved to Berlin, had to leave his dog behind. Oh, no. Yeah, all his friends rallied around to get the dog to Berlin. It's a fucking harrowing tale. Beautiful dog called Zeus. Um, watch it, guys. Oh, okay. Watch it. It's really good. Okay, excellent. Mm. So, that's just it's just called Dogs. Just called Dogs, to the point. Excellent. Straightforward. Yeah. Um, I've only got one little thing to bring from a views perspective. I went finally got to go see the new Halloween film mm. at the cinemas with my girlfriend. Um, we had recently just watched Halloween, the original from 1978 for the first time, um, which we was enjoyable, if not particularly outdated and kind of funny in its sort of outdatedness. Um, but we we're keen to see the new one because apparently this one erases, basically we pretend all the other sequels of Halloween never happened. This is like a direct sequel 40 years later after the original one. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, it was pretty good. Uh, it was an enjoyable time at the cinemas, a slasher film, had some great tense moments, some pretty good kills, a lot of characters that I really liked in it. Did you get a hand job? 
Did not get a hand job. Okay, that's um, not in this film. Actually, surprisingly, for, for a film that's been out for a good month or so now, and it was a late screening as well. There was a few people in the cinema, which is good. Were any of them getting a hand job? Possibly. Okay, cool. Well, I might, I'll mention this, actually. I'll finish my review of Halloween. I'll tell you about something that happened while we were there, though. Ooh! Um, uh, what's her name? Jamie Lee Curtis. Very good um, in the role, playing this sort of grizzled version of Laurie Strode from the original. 40 mm. years later, she's... You know, someone who is very protective, hardened very woman, worried about mm. Michael coming back, and has a vendetta to basically kill him, actually, if possible. Um, Seems Ju- fair. Judy Greer is in this. <gasps> I love her. I know you mentioned that last week. We were talking about kidding. Mm-hmm. How much you mm-hmm. loved her. Um, she's got a. De- it's funny. People. I read a review saying that Judy Greer's role in this was small, like blink and you'll miss it. Like she should have had more. Mm. Incorrect. She's got plenty of screen time. And sometimes I thought she had more screen time than... Maybe it's just because that person, like myself, just thinks Judy Greer should be in every second of film. That she should be headlining yeah. films. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I thought she actually had a pretty decent role in the end. Um, yeah, it was it was a good movie. It's, it's one of those movies where you, as you often do with horror films, if we're being honest, have to turn your brain off. Because mm. there are times where the plot only works because people are dumbasses mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> or people are ridiculously greedy or um, almost malevolently sort of neglectful (laughs) Um, or just like misunderstandings have to take place. And if you think about that too much, then you're going to have a bad time, which I almost did. But I was like, okay, this actually fits pretty well with like the feelings of the original Halloween. There's some really nice nods to that one in there. Mm -hmm. Use the music really well. No, it was good. It was good. I'm glad I saw it. I'll be honest, you haven't won me over, but that's good to know. If it's a, you should watch the original and see what you think of it. Are you much of a horror fan? I'm not even really sure. I hate horror. Oh, well, it's not going to happen. We've known each other for over 10 years. It's good to know but that it's like you don't know whether or not slasher, I like horror. Slasher films exist in a weird part of horror where I'm not even sure they're meant to be scary necessarily. They're just meant to give you a bit of a jump and a bit of a giggle, I think. Yeah. I mean, if I have to watch a horror film, I'd prefer to watch a slasher. Yeah. Because I'm genuinely afraid of the devil taking control of my body so anything with like ghosts and demons and stuff i am not interested i will never watch paranormal activity ever in my entire life not interested fuck off i'll kill you have you seen the conjuring i think my brother made me watch that conjuring's good conjuring i blacked it out i think i think i blacked it out um is that with rose byrne no oh what's wrong with rose byrne i have no idea what you're talking about okay good (laughs) Um, I'll tell you about this. Oh no, that was bad neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. That's that's me riffing comedy style. No, I can't remember what like it's called. A but yeah. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Exactly. Uh, but I do need to tell you about the cinema experience we had because these seem to be happening mm. with intense frequency mm. lately. I swear, every time I go to the movies, something like this happens, and I okay. So what happened was movie started, and this is a movie with lots of quiet moments, right? It's all mm-hmm. about building suspense, waiting for that jump scare or that reveal, whatever it might be. It's really hard to find the perfect time to fart during a film like that. It, well, these people have decided that any time, especially when it was quiet, was a good time to talk. There was a couple oh. sitting to our right mm. who were talking not like at the top of their voice, but loud Clowns enough that they- to the left of me, jerks to the right. And they I feel you. I were feel you. not trying to keep their voice. Like they weren't trying. Like I understand maybe having a couple things to say. To the person next to you. I disagree with that, but yeah. I keep it to a minimum. Yeah. (laughs) And I would definitely try and really mask it, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, Yeah. Sometimes it's just, there's a comment you need to make. But If gunfire's going off, make a comment if you have to. If you're going to do it, that's the time to do it, right? that's it. That's it. 
So that was how it started. Now, usually it seems like that person's either directly in front of me or directly to my to, to my side. Steph was between us. So Steph is copying this more than Your anything Your lady else. love. This yep. is my lady love. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the movie, the gentleman of this pair has fallen asleep and is snoring. So that's pretty Before you go on, is this my grandpa? No. Because I will not hear a bad word about him. No, go on. And the woman didn't think, you know, to wake him up, maybe stop him from snoring or anything like that. Mm. Just keep him going. So that's going on. She's probably happy to just be alone for a moment, <laughs> maybe. maybe. <laughs> and then right as the movie is hitting its climax, right? The climactic mm. moment. Mm-hmm. It's within the last minute, but stuff is happening, right? In the you last be- minute is the climactic moment. It pretty much like That's it happens, it structure. ends very quickly, okay. right? All right. Yeah. But it's sort of coming to its conclusion, mm-hmm. and you're watching to see what's going to happen exactly. You're being through a journey, you're waiting for that moment. It's yeah, happening, there's, it's there's, happening. Yeah. yeah. And then, well, there's there's threads that are left dangling. You want to know mm-hmm. what you're going to find out, what you're not. If you yep. know the original Halloween, you know that the last minute stuff happens, right? Oh, right. Okay. So it's not yep. over, okay. just it's still going. And at that moment, this person, these people decide. Let's start packing up our shit, not wait for the credits, but start putting our fucking crinkly Tim Tam bag into our crinkly Coles bag. Tim Tam is a type of cookie for Americans listening, yep. Yeah, they know Tim Tams. I know what Tim Tam Slam is. They are internationally famous now, Tim Tams. I'm not sure about that. They are. They are. And they are the the sound that they are, that is making. She has no regard. I say this because I know that she was doing it. The, the lady person. You're staring at her at this point. Yeah. Steph was, and <laughs> Steph is a she is a confrontational. She will mm-hmm. never. She is not confrontational. At least she hates it. Can she I was, say Steph? Great with the quips. Very quick witted. Yeah. But she will not say them loudly. No. It'll be an aside. It'll be hilarious, but it's just for you. She's it's a quiet. treasure. <laughs> She's not up for confrontation at all, which no, I she quite appreciate. Can't think yeah. of anything worse. Yeah, she <laughs> has to. Sh- she is so pissed off at this point that she shushes these people, and they just laugh. Oh, that would have made my blood boil. Fuck! I was so annoyed. So the moment the credits start, because that was a thirty seconds later, mm. I. Knew there was an after credit sequence because it had been on Twitter. Like, mm-hmm. the articles come out saying there wasn't one. And so, I said to Steph, do you want to go? She's like, yes. So, we get up and we have to walk straight past them. So, I look them both dead in the eye and Good. I say <laughs> "I say to them, standing over them. And i got to say, people who don't know who I look, what I look like, I'm not a big guy, but I am bald and I do have a beard. I think mm-hmm. people, some people might think that's a little yeah. intimidating to well, see. Well, when you say you're not a big guy, you're not an overly tall guy. Sure. But you're quite built, though. I'm broad. Yeah. We'll say that much. Yeah. And so I, and I say to them, I look them both in the eye and I say, don't come to the cinemas if you're going to talk, go to sleep and snore, or put pack your shit up before the movie's over, stay at home next time. And the looks I got were, they were aghast. I'm so happy about this. That is fucking perfect. Because as someone who gets up out of their seat to tap on people's shoulders and be like, put your phone away. Which I do. I, me too. Yeah. I really appreciate that. Because fuck off. Like, don't go to the movies if you can't be a fucking civilized human being. Stay at home. Stay at home, you dickhead. Watch something on fucking Netflix. Uh, do not come to Because you're not watching cinemas. it anyway. If you were really invested, you wouldn't be making so much fucking exactly. noise. Exactly. They looked gobsmacked. 
And I felt very good about that. Gorgeous. I love it. That's my favorite Fuck story that of you. shit. Yes. I hope I ruin their night because they mm-hmm. ruin mine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go fuck yourself, people. Yeah. And why, but why is it every time I go to the cinemas that I have to we do it? We will fight you. If we I will the- find you and we will fight you. <laughs> I have a special set of skills. I will find you and I will embarrass you in public in a cinema. <laughs> I will lecture you about theater etiquette. That is my one special skill. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's actually not inaccurate. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've told you the story. There was a woman sitting next to me when I was watching a movie and she was texting. Mm. And I told her to put her phone away and she started crying. That Fucking was a weird moment. Can but I just say, I sta- loser. <laughs> Fucking loser. You got enough gumption to take your bright phone out into my face, Incredible. into my vicinity. Ridiculous. I hope you cry because you realize you're a fucking wanker. Anyway. That was my off-topic hot topic <laughs> for this week. Let's move on to our spoiler-free review of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Season 1. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is an American period comedy drama series created by Amy Sherman Palladino, creator of Gilmore Girls, and tells the story of Miriam Midge Maisel, a housewife in 1958 New York City who discovers she has a knack for stand-up comedy. Following the premiere of the pilot episode during Amazon's spring 2017 pilot season, the series was picked up by Amazon for a two-season order with the rest of season one landing on Amazon Prime Video on November 29th, 2017. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel stars Rachel Brosnahan in the titular role, Michael Zagan, Marin Hinkle, Tony Shalhoub, and Alex Borstein as Midge's manager, Susie Myerson. Season one consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 52 minutes, and took us approximately six hours and 55 minutes to watch. It was nominated for six primetime Emmys, winning five, mm. including Outstanding Comedy Series, mm-hmm. Outstanding Lead Actress in a Comedy Season, mm-hmm. Brosnahan, and Outstanding Supporting Actress in a Comedy, Borstein. Season two will premiere on December 5th, 2018. So, Damask, why did we decide to review The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season one? Feminism! <laughs> no. Okay, do you elaborate? Because I saw it won all these awards at the Emmys. I was like, oh, that's kind of vaguely interesting, whatever. Um, and then after Bunheads, I was kind of done with Amy. Blah, 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 blah. After what? Bunheads? Bunheads. That was her show after Gilmore Girls. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Um, what was that about? Bunheads. No, it's a dance, like a ballet school. Oh, okay. Um, that makes is sense. Is Bunheads not explanatory <laughs> enough? No, it was like, um, is this about like a bakery? Is this like... No, no. They have buns on their heads. Yeah, that makes sense now. Uh, <laughs> Amy Sherman Palladino. <laughs> Thank you. I'll never so, remember that. Um, I and had to then write down, so. I, I can't remember what I was... I think I was reading something on the interwebs and I was like, I'm going to check out that trailer. I did. And I was like oh, this actually seems like it might be right up my alley. And then I spoke to you almost immediately. I was like, maybe we should do this show because it looks really fun and awesome. That's, I think, why we did it. Mm-hmm. Isn't mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. So, Broderick, since you love feminism <laughs> and the 50s <laughs> and Not comedy. Not inaccurate. What was your spoiler-free review for season one of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel? Simply put... What an excellent little show this is, is just the first line that comes to mind. There is a lot to praise here. It's hard to find a fault in this Ironcast production, though I have found a few. Um, But I should start by just saying that I love the premise. Mm -hmm. 
1950s Jewish housewife from Manhattan is abandoned by a talentless wannabe comic of a husband instead finds a calling doing stand-up. That is a premise with a lot of comedic and dramatic juice. Mm -hmm. I do love that. 1950s New York is a gorgeous setting with sets, costumes, and makeup that bring the era to life beautifully, particularly in the um, pilot. There's some great shots of them coming out of their apartment building, getting into a taxi and sort of driving their way to the Gaslight Cafe. And just get to see some beautiful shots of like, um, I'm not sure if it's the Empire State Building, but it might be the Chrysler Building close by in the background. And then um, as they drive down the streets and you see the other... You know, people from the 1950s in the streets, either dancing or arguing or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. That was just a beautiful mm, illustration of the era. Love that. The show looks gorgeous, especially when watching in 4K HDR like I was. Love that Amazon Prime was supporting All right, that. 1%. I keep moving. It, seriously, though, it was really, really nice. Um, and it's shot and staged in fun ways that often leads to long takes, um, which can be really impressive. And it just allows for the sort of performance to, to shine. It's not constantly cutting between... Like, that, that happens. But there are often times where it just lets it sort of sit and lets the performance mm. and the rhythm happen from the performances rather than happening in the edit room, which I really liked. Um, and sometimes that in- even included big camera movements through a space like um, Midge's apartment or her parents' apartment or the Gaslight Cafe. Mm. And those were really impressive and very, very well done. Loved all of that. Performance-wise, Rachel Brosnahan, she's a star. Mm-hmm. Just simply absolutely put. She, she is. is absolutely magnetic on screen and sells the many sides to Midge, be that the independent mother, the dedicated wife, or less so when... Uh, Joel leaves, or the whips, or the whip smart comedian. Um, Alex Borstein plays a great second string mm. to Midge as a rough as guts, as the rough as guts Susie Myerson, while um, Marin Hinkle and especially Tony Shalhoub are charming as Midge's parents. Michael Zegan as Joel is either doing an excellent job at being unlikable or is having a hard time finding any depth in his character to make him sympathetic. I'm not sure which one is true. I think it's a lot. I think he's a great actor. You think it's that? Yeah. I wasn't sure. I sometime. think he's portraying Joel perfectly. I well, think he's a very talented actor. Well, because my if my, if that's the feelings he wants, that I should hate Joel is. Yeah, no, I think that's a he. He got it. He's got it spot on there. Yeah. Congratulations to him. Uh, for the vast majority, the writing is also extremely good. Sharp and lyrical, the dialogue has an energetic pace that keeps this thing bouncing along. There are some weak moments where things feel a little overcooked. We'll get into that a little bit in spoilers, mm-hmm. but it should be lauded for having um, to write a whole lot of stand-up comedy and it not being grown-worthy most of the time. Mm. That's actually pretty good. Very rare. Overall, there's a lot to love about The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, especially when the focus is primarily on Midge. Mm -hmm. By the end of the season, I was fully invested, cheering along with Midge's triumphs and groaning as she stumbles. When a show can have me laughing, clapping, shouting, and even wishing horrific deaths on some of its characters, (laughs) it's got to be doing something right. Damask, what about you? Beautiful. Um, before I go on to mine, can I ask how much of Gilmore Girls have you watched? Uh, bits and pieces. Like, I've never watched it with any sort of dedication, never from the beginning. There were episodes on TV that I've watched. Certainly, mm. there was a couple of scenes in episode two and three in particular Ooh. when I remembered. Oh, hello. I, I'd, forgot, I'd known in the past this was from the creators of Gilmore Girls. Yes. It, I, there was a scene I was like, oh, I remember who made this show because <laughs> all of a sudden it was that Gilmore Girls rhythm. And that there's a couple of those scenes that were actually the reason I was starting to turn off the show. Episode two and three w- were problematic for me. And we'll talk about that in spoilers. Okay. But I was starting to turn off a little bit. Mm. And that, it, that there was this rapid pace, but there was no room for breathing. There was no room for like, there was no beats in those moments. Mm. And I was like, chill out a bit, guys. Just yeah, it's interesting because certainly... 
Amy Sherman Palladino has this kind of oversaturation of dialogue sometimes. Yeah. Um, but Midge, the character of Midge, could not exist without that sensibility. I think she is so of Amy Sherman Palladino's ilk of her like her creative sensibilities. Um, but it's sometimes I think when every character in the scene yes. has that, it's a lot. Yeah. Which is what Gilmore Girls I think suffered from a lot. I mean, I loved it. I loved watching that show with mm-hmm. my mum. Um, but I recently tried to go back to it and it was overwhelming. Right. <laughs> to yeah. Watch. yeah. Well, yeah, I think the character as you mm. said, character music makes sense and she's just great at performing that stuff. Like mm. she gives every line the exact weight or wink or charm or whatever it needs mm. to make it work. And uh, uh, being a stand-up comedian, it, uh, it's just yeah. sort of, she's a naturally funny person. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think the actresses in Gilmore Girls nailed it, but it, it, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, all right. So coming into my spoiler-free review, here we go. So I couldn't think of a better way to spend my evenings during what has been a rough week, rough couple of weeks, to be honest, than watching the type A force of nature called Midge Maisel. Every time a stand-up got on stage, I was prepared for a lacklustre performance. And sometimes the characters laughed when I didn't, because that generally happens when you're watching stand-up on TV and in film. Like, it's it's kind of a bit cringy, isn't I, it? I actually made a note at one stage just about how Having people have to laugh, yeah, it's like hard. getting actors to and extras to laugh when you've probably performed this scene 20, 30 times, depending on how many angles and takes you need, can start to feel a little stale. There's one bit at a party, and I was just like, it, I was like, is that just canned laughter now? I don't feel like any of this is natural anymore. <laughs> yeah, but it's what are you mm. gonna do? But when you know, characters got on stage, and you know, people in response laughed. Um, quite a lot of time I didn't, but when it came to Midge's performances, I was always charmed and laughing. Rachel Brosnahan brings Midge Maisel to life within seconds of being on screen. Her opening speech is perfectly performed and I was enamored. Sometimes Amy Sherman Palladino's characters can be, you know, like I said, a little much. They are fast talking and often very abrasive. They are super American in a lot of ways. But placing Midge in the role of an aspiring comedian as a woman that is known for her quick wit and humour, that's kind of perfect. And as a woman that goes into everything with 100%, it's actually charming to watch, particularly in the 1950s setting. Um, and watch, and particularly in that setting, watching a woman exist so fully without apologising is exciting and invigorating. Can I ask what you mean by that? Can you clarify when you say so fully without apologising or mm. what, what, what exactly are you talking about there? She fully embraces who she is. She understands who she is. She's very comfortable in her own skin, mm-hmm. which is pretty rare to see. Um, yeah, and the fact that it, she exists in the 1950s is kind of mind blowing but yeah just yeah a woman that exists fully within herself um now i haven't ever been able to get past the first few episodes of mad men because watching women endure that amount of sexism was too infuriating i actually just couldn't abide it um thankfully this show doesn't center around the men of the era although there's too much joel in my opinion but instead we see a woman who faces the challenges of the time bravely and with a sense of humor which is very important with every frustration that Midge must endure comes a well-timed joke and a sh- and an assuredness that is enviable, even in 2018. 
The friendship that is developed between Midge and Alex Borstein's Susie is another treasure that this series gives us. You don't often get the privilege of watching a female friendship from between women of different generations, unless, of course, you are watching an Amy Sherman Palladino show. She is all about intergenerational bonding between women, which is a beautiful thing. Their back and forths are antagonistic, confused, but also full of admiration. It's a well-paced friendship that feels organic. It's a pleasure to watch. And it's also fantastic to see Alex Borstein. Borstein? Borstein. Borstein. Frankenstein. Sorry, sorry for getting that know. wrong. Anyway, it's, it's a pleasure to see her get the material she so deserves. The world of marvellous Mrs. Maisel is a high-gloss version of the 1950s and it feels as though people could break out into song at any moment. And while the outside is shining, there is substance there, enough to keep your heart fluttering with possibility at where Mrs. Maisel could take us. This was a joy to watch, as I said earlier, and also makes me forgive Amazon for not having the ability to Chromecast. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> mm. um, what else have you seen Alex Borstein, Borstein in? 101 television shows. Oh, really? The one thing, yes. Yeah, what stands out? She's in fucking everything. Well, the one thing I really know her from grew up watching was she was in the Liz McGuire movie. Oh, really? She was also, um, she was originally meant to play Suki in uh, Suki. So, no, Suki. Because Suki is from. One of them's from Jersey. True Blood. Oh, yeah. Um, Suki is from. Oh, in Gilmore Girls. Gilmore Girls. Yeah, right. yeah. She that, was originally meant to play that character. And that's Melissa McCartney in the. McCarthy. McCarthy, thank um, you. Yeah, and then she played like this woman who played a harp and it was a shitty bit part, really nothing. Like she's always had kind of bit parts or she's been in Disney TV shows mm-hmm. or that kind of stuff. But like everything I've seen her in, her timing is impeccable. And so to watch her in something like this where she's allowed to have her one like comedy shop show but her vulnerability show as well is, is really cool. Quite special. She's the voice of Lois in Family Guy, isn't she? Yes, yeah, she is. See, I didn't know that. Mm. That was like oh, that's for me probably the most mm. I've seen of her. But no, she's excellent. Uh, what would you score this season out of five, Damas? I'm gonna go with a four point five. I am also gonna go with a four point five. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Twins. Very much enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, All right. Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to remind everyone that if you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others who you think might also enjoy listening. We also appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you prefer. But right now, let's talk spoilers. You're now entering the spoiler zone. 
Spoiler warning! On this episode, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel up to this point. If you've not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned. Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Storytime with Damask. Once upon a time, there was an American princess named Midge. She lived the perfect life in her castle with Prince Floppy Hair. She spent her days cooking brisket and looking after her serial killer son. Little known fact, he grows up to be Jeffrey Dahmer. By night, Princess Midge and Prince Floppy Hair take their carriage from the castle in the Upper West Side and venture south. It's a dangerous journey, past beatniks, drunkards and an endless array of turtlenecks. Prince Floppy wants to be a comedian, because like all below average men, he thinks he's funny. But of course, he isn't. They never are. He doesn't get the reaction he wants, and so instead of working harder at the thing he claims is his passion, he has a hissy fit, tells his wife he's been having an affair, and walks out on his family. The prince transforms into a puddle of curdled tears and jizz before our eyes. Is it a curse? No, it's entitlement. What a fucking loser. So Midge is forced to move in with the king and queen. It's not ideal, but it's also not slumming it. She's still living on the Upper West Side and her mum is a live-in nanny. But still, the poor girl doesn't know what to do with herself. She gets a little woozy on Happy Juice and decides to take up a career as the town crier. Hear ye, hear ye, men are the worst. All of the villagers love her, especially one called Susie. She is mesmerised by the truth-telling princess and convinces her to become a town crier as often as possible so that one day she'll make it and who knows, even become a city crier or maybe even a nation crier. I just assume that's the highest rank in the crying game. Who knows? Princess Midge hits a few speed bumps along the way. She gets thrown in the dungeon a few times for naughty words. The Queen goes a bit nutty at the idea of Prince Floppy never coming back. And when her hopes are dashed, she starts dropping F-bombs at Temple. Whoopsie. The King is constantly befuddled by the changing world around him. And his brain almost explodes when the introduction of a second TV is brought up. I hope he didn't live to 2018, otherwise he'd be in a constant state of panic at modern life. Prince Floppy eventually comes back with his tail between his legs, begging for a second chance. Turns out his mistress turned back into a pumpkin after midnight. Princess Midge wavers. She did like her old life, but this new one, of telling people what she thinks, of being seen as an independent creative and funny woman, is intoxicating. She's proud of herself, and Prince Floppy, let's not forget, is a fucking loser. She's ready to grow into herself, and into a queen of comedy. The end. Deep Dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Great stuff, Damask. That might be my favourite story time you've done. I really like that one a lot. That's absurd, but thank you very much. <laughs> that definitely wasn't the best one. Oh, I've the- been better, darling. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, where should we start with this? I want to talk about sort of how I was worried about the show when we got to mm. episode two and three. Okay, interested the, by that. The yeah. the 
The big thing was that I think the pilot was just fucking awesome. It was so, 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 so good. So when they had this, the pilot season um, with Amazon, mm-hmm. I believe a big way that they sort of determined what was going to get made into a season was actually due to audience response. So people would watch these pilots and then they would use that as a way to determine That's what's going That's amazing forward. to me. That you could well, do that? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I it's not. Un- it's not new. No, I I know that because I know like ABC and stuff do that yeah. in Australia quite a bit. But I just didn't know Amazon was doing that. And for things of such a high budget, like that pilot is a not a cheap production. I think this was probably I'm going to say it's early on in Amazon Prime Video stuff, but it was right. early enough that it would you know try and like mm. re- you know gain notoriety, gain an audience. This was a good way for people to interact with them. Hey, this is what we're thinking about giving you. What do you want? Make them look high quality, and then you know. Um, that pilot's amazing. And then I think so the problem I had, like uh, to the point where I've actually watched that pilot two or three times, three times, because I tried, w- tried to introduce the mm. rest of the household to it. I watched the first episode and then went, Steph, you're watching this with me now. We're going to restart <laughs> it from episode one. And then I told my other housemates, you guys need to watch this too. And they actually w- finished watching it before I did. Mm. Like that's how much they were into it as well. I did hear your brother Liam was watching it all through the night. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, did, you, did, who, did I tell you that? Liam told you yeah, that? Yeah, on the way to D&D oh, the right. other day. That, yeah. Very good. I couldn't remember. I thought maybe Steph had been like, fucking Liam was up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the part was so good that when we got to the second episode, there was a little bit of a drop for me. And I like, mm. that's maybe to be expected when you put so much effort into that first episode. But- the, the big mistake that I think they made with episode two is they moved the focus off Midge way too much. Disappointing. Yeah. It was like all of a sudden, and I understand you need to flesh out your world. Like you need to flesh out the, your supporting characters. Mm. We need to spend time with Abe. We need to spend time with Rose. We need to spend, well, debatable. Do we need to spend time with Joel? Because <laughs> I would argue, like you said earlier, we spend way too much fucking time with Joel. Mm. And so we've got two scenes of Joel with his dad at in the office in the factory, which is written like a Gilmore Girls part where it's like rapid fire stuff. It's just like unending rapid like and I'm okay, I haven't watched enough Gilmore Girls to actually comment this properly, but it's like slightly repetitious dialogue. It's just really so it's focused on the energy more than it is on the content. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like it's staying in the same place but trying to make it funnier by saying it faster and more frequently. Are you talking about the scenes with him and his dad? And his dad specifically. There's also one where, and mm. I love Susie, and it's not a bad scene. It just goes on too long where they go through, uh, Midge takes Susie up to the apartment and they go through the apartment. She comments on how it's like Buckingham Palace or something like that. And then they go up to the parents' apartment. Mm-hmm. She's like, what is this? Like your you know, spare in case something goes wrong. And they go back down. And I was like, when, like for a show that's about comedy- I think we've forgotten somewhere along the lines that brevity is the soul of wit because it was like it was a joke that just kept going. No, to I like that. The point where it was nauseous almost. I genuinely liked that experience. Just seeing the absurdity of Midge's life through Susie's eyes, just like, and I understand you're going to say like, I get that. I yes. just think it should have been shorter. A hundred percent. Um, I don't know. Like it, it didn't bother me. Like I just love watching those two together. Sure. But, but I enjoyed it. The funny thing was, Midge barely spoke during that, though. It was just a stream of consciousness from Susie. Mm-hmm. And again... And her commentary. Apt and hilarious It is. Yeah. But at what point have you hit... Does it hit diminishing returns? Because I was starting mm. to find it was hitting... Like, you'd said everything you could say. You were just saying it a different way now. And that was what was happening with Joel See, and See, I didn't dad. feel that. I didn't sure. get the diminishing returns. I just found it satisfying all the way through. Particularly when it ended with the cupcake. And she's like, well, that is an adorable uh, the, and, the, <laughs> and that was a great button. Yeah. But it was just, it was very extended in between. Mm-hmm. Anyway, point being, 
season two had me worried. I was like, I'd come from this massive high. Episode and I was like, two, yeah. Uh, sorry, mm. episode two. Like, uh, not so sure, sure about this. Yeah, you get a bit worried because your your hopes were so high. Like, so high. Maybe I got excited too early. Exactly. I get that. Yeah. And it was just and and then once Midge became the focal point again by about episode four, mm. I was like, okay, we're all good, we're fine. But boy, oh boy, <laughs> do I fucking hate Joel. <laughs> Can we let's elaborate on that a little bit? You've already suggested how much you hate him, mm. but my God, has there been a better example of mediocrity in your life than Joel fucking Maisel? Yeah, I think it's it's particularly um, terrible to watch because while we yes, he is a perfect example of mediocrity, but he's also a perfect example of. 90% of white men <laughs> in the world and 90% of white men I feel like are either in middle management or positions of power and it's fucking terrible. Um, it, he's just, he's a whiny little baby dickhead and I hate him. But I also, okay, so while I hate spending any time with him, yep, the entire time I'm also acutely aware that all of his shitty behavior, all of his crapness is going to come to this point at the end, hoping, this is what I'm hoping for, where Midge just fucking kills it <laughs> and he has to fucking watch. Didn't and we? that is what I'm waiting for the entire fucking time. And it feels so good because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. It's going to be sweet. Didn't we have that moment though? We did. Yeah. Oh, that Hence you mean- why it's satisfying. It's building up to that. It's yeah. like, fuck you, Joel. Fuck you, Joel. Like, watching Joel is not going to be a pleasurable experience for anyone at all. It's just, it's a, it's building towards that moment where you're like, yeah, the world is unfair. Because when we're, okay, when we're looking at the world of Mrs. Maisel, mm-hmm. it's not the genuine experience of the 1950s. Yes, as a woman, you are diminished, you're controlled, it's awful. Mm -hmm. But that is very much minimised in this kind of colourful, lovely, soft lens version of the 1950s. Sure. But a way that we can experience that is to see how someone like Joel goes through that world where, yes, he's suffering a little bit, but God, things come easy to him. And you see the unfairness. Without this overt oppression, which is what I felt watching things like Mad Men. Sure. So you get that satisfying point without having to have constant real life oppression that can be a little heavy for women to watch sometimes. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's an interesting way of putting it. Um, I can see the upside there. The downside of that comes we could be having Midge, the person that we love, the mm-hmm. best performer on the show. Mm-hmm. This magnetic force who every scene I can't look away, mm-hmm. be doing that stuff. And like Midge deserves the the screen time in my mind. And Joel but does not. But what do you mean by doing that stuff? Well, you're saying, I know you're saying that it can be uncomfortable to see that sort of uh, overt oppression, right? Mm-hmm. But to suggest it through Joel also means we have to give Joel screen time that he doesn't deserve, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at Joel. He's, he, I w- he, Joel had said everything I need to know about Joel was when he packed up and left. Do you know what I mean? Like at the moment that he says, I had one, you know, has one bad night of being a shit comic where I stole people's jokes and now I can't be with you anymore mm-hmm. and I'm going to pack up and leave my family behind. Mm. I'm like, I don't need any more of you 
I understand everything there is to know about you as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And to give him screen time just to show that he's regretful or he feels mm. like um, or that he hasn't learned things or whatever it might be is to mm. like, I just feel like that could be time better spent somewhere else. Midge, yeah, yeah, no, Susie, I, anyone? I, I know what you're saying. I think it can sometimes help contextualize a way of existing for women because I think we are so harsh and in critiquing ourselves um, that when you actually, you know, you look at someone like Midge, who is so incredible and vivacious and mm-hmm. talented and a force to be reckoned with, and you see the the person, the thing that she's attached herself to that is not yes. worthy of that, but she can't see that herself. I think to understand that he's not worthy, whereas like if – so you just say he left and we didn't say anything more from him and then he came back and she was like, oh, but I still like value those things and I, you know, I understand why that's important. I, like I, th- I do think it's important to get context from Joel. Do I think it was too much? Of course I do. Yeah, I think. Of course I do. Some of the best scenes though was like when he goes over to Penny's place and he's mm. there. Like that's a great scene that said a lot mm-hmm. and like, and Midge was able to be there and like it's still centered around Midge. Yeah, I just I don't know. I felt like mm. we so, sometimes it felt like the the lens was pointed too far over in Joel's direction to the point where I'm like, what are you? Wh- are, are we trying to? Are we trying to justify these two getting back together? No. Are you sure? Because like I understand. I'm hundred percent. sure. So the ending of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is he? He has got a couple of different emotions going mm-hmm. on. A, they maybe could be getting back together because she doesn't know. Mm-mm. Why not? Why aren't they getting together? Why, why, why do you know that that's not going to happen? Because he has proven himself time and time again to have immature responses to any kind of conflict or bad feelings. Sure. Like he, does, he doesn't have the growth to justify that, narratively speaking. But they have already been together again. She's mm-hmm. considered it. She's put her ring back on. Mm-hmm. So there's all these steps she's making towards Joel again. And Joel, yes, has that outburst... Like that, he's ha- has a low moment mm-hmm. where he finds out that Midge is doing what he dreamed of always doing and is much better at it than she is. Mm. But the, what's interesting about that response is that what's sufficiently immature, it also suggests maybe him stepping into a direction where he can appreciate that about Midge. Because mm-hmm. one of his biggest weaknesses is that he just does not know his wife. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? Like, he did not... He was never aware that she was the funnier one. That she was the reason mm-hmm. that that he was his jokes worked half the time. She was doing the work for him. He she was doing more work than he was. He was stealing other people's bits, mm. and there was just a lack of appreciation of her and how brilliant she is. And so that moment where he steps outside and he punches that guy because he was critical of her, and he keeps saying she's good. I mean, there's there's conflict there because one, he's coming to grips with the fact that she's better than him, mm-hmm. and two. He understands that she's really good at what she does. Yeah. And to me, narratively, that looks like they're spinning in the direction that maybe they they are going to be back together again. Not easily, not without conflict, yeah. not without problems. Mm. But they are going to try and give Joel growth. And I don't know if I want it. <laughs> I don't know. 
I just, yeah, that's 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 fine if you don't want it. But I also think when we're looking at critiquing the patriarchy, I think it's a mistake to forget um, how damaging that is for men as well. Agreed. Um, and so I don't. I think Joel, while he's weak and I hate him, mm-hmm. <laughs> I also think he's you know, and he's certainly in a place of privilege, but is suffering from that as well. Yeah, now that he's, is he's suffering from those roles that they have been assigned their entire lives. And we see that with his the conversation he has with his dad is like, you know, we've proven that to all these people mm-hmm. and we have to we have to be this person. And he's going to have to redefine himself as much as Midge is going to have to redefine herself. And I think she is d- handling it in a much better way. One, because she doesn't have the choice that he has. Mm -hmm. So she just has to, you know, bring up every ounce of gumption she has, which is a lot, thank Mm -hmm. goodness, and it's a joy to watch. Um, And he doesn't have those resources. Um, But I I also think it's an – it could be, I'm not saying it will be, but it could be a really interesting examination of a man of the time looking into himself and seeing the flaws there. When in right in the front, right in his face, right there is a woman that is clearly very talented Mm -hmm. and very accomplished. And he has to face that because it's his wife and it's the thing that he wanted. But she's better and he has to deal with that. Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right. And all those things are there. It's just, it's very, and yeah, it's probably what I think if that does happen and it likely will. If we turn around in three or four seasons, I might go, wow, they really made me... Yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't want them to be together. That's the thing. But at the same time, there's like, when she said no to him, I was like, fuck yes, good yeah. on you. And when they were getting back together, I was like, no, Midge, don't. Yeah. Don't. You don't need you know this what I? You know loser. what I hope happens? What? At the end of it all, they are able to look at each other as friends and be like, I, would I love that. respect you. Redefine I love it. you and respect you. You're the father that of my children, fabulous. but yeah. we cannot be. That's, That's what I'm wondering what I too. That's what I out of this narrative. I would like that as well. Yeah. I, I, though I did wonder whether part of the reason they felt like they need to get, get them back together was the title. Like, she's going to keep <laughs> that goddamn name. Oh, no, no. That's her stage name now. True. She, she owns it. Yeah. Um, let's talk about something about Midge for a second that I just wanted mm. to bring up. This is mainly joking, but can Her I just boobs? say... Oh, I mean, no. we can talk about that if you want. Tits up. Not, um, on, not on mic, but yeah. Not on mic. <laughs> um, Midge is a terrible mother as presented to us via the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where the fuck are her kids? With her mum or the nanny. Or anywhere else but with Midge. Well, she says that. She's like, you know, I'm a mother. She's like, but what if it doesn't come naturally? And that's the thing. It's like a woman of her time. It's like you have kids. Whether the fuck you want them or not. Maybe she's just a woman that didn't want kids, really. It's just what you were meant to do. I think the word she said was, I gave him kids, a boy and a girl. Like, that yeah. was part of the joke. Like, that was his thing to have yeah. kids. And it was like, it is It is certainly a status symbol. But I, I kind of love the fact that, yeah, she is a neglectful mother, but <sighs> she owns the fact that she didn't want to be a mum. And also, she isn't defined by motherhood. She's still a fucking person. And it's circum—it's purely circumstantial that she had kids. 
Because that's what you fucking do. Sure. I still think that, I don't know, I feel like it's a part of her story that's missing right now is mm. we have these very small asides to the idea that she's like, oh, Imogene is a brilliant mother. Mm. Like, I don't even know when Esther's crying is coming from her or somewhere else half the time, stuff like that. But it's like, I hope there's a moment we get to address that correctly because as presented, mm-hmm. and sure, who wants to just watch her doing shitty baby things all the time? Mm-hmm. But there, she spends so much time away from her kids and they've kind of presented the idea and correct me if you think this is incorrect mm-hmm. but it seems like Ethan might be on the spectrum yeah I thought so Um, and maybe Abe is to some degree as well mm-hmm. and that is interesting to talk about particularly from an era perspective mm-hmm. Um, I hope that goes there but right now it seems like background noise yeah I mean I don't know I, f- I just feel like she's clearly a woman that and she does relish it somewhat, like the roles that have been assigned to her. She does. And, and you know, and she's good at that. And that's kind something of stuff. I like about it. She's yeah. great in the kitchen. She, she goes loves 100% into everything. She's like, I love this. I love that. I can do that. I'm going to fucking own it. She's great. Yeah. She has a, a positive attitude all the fucking time. And is um, hyper capable in all hyper scenarios. Hyper capable. Absolutely. T- total type A. Um, but I can't – yeah, I'm sure they will explore it in the future. But I am so disinterested in her as a mother. Like, I just I just don't think it's Yes. I, I agree. I agree. I think mm. she's disinterested in being a mother. But yeah. that is worth discussing a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, Why? Because if it's a part of the character. And if it's there, surely that's a part of her as a human being we need to understand as well. Like, Can't you just be disinterested? What else is there to explore? But I, Unless but, you think it's innately natural to, to be interested. No, but I just can't think, you just be disinterested? Say again. If it's innately But what why do you think there's more to explore there? Can't you just be disinterested? There's because it's a responsibility that she has. Like she is a mother. She is the primary caregiver to them. Yeah, she does like the minimum amount of she's like well, they're being looked after. I'm not, <laughs> is that not enough? <laughs> I just think that would be that idea would be interesting to explore a little bit. This is because this is a role that has been forced upon her that she can't just that cannot be removed even when her husband leaves. Right? You know what I mean? If oh, anything, she seemed to remove it pretty well. That's, but that's kind of <laughs> what I mean, right? Like her responsibilities theoretically go up when the father leaves, but we are not shown that struggle at all. Do you know what I mean? None of that is there is present. And maybe it's just not interesting enough. And maybe that's been done to death and that's why it's being avoided. Mm. I just feel like it almost felt to me like this was something that they ha- they don't really want to be there at all, even from a narrative perspective. So why are the kids there? And like, like uh, the idea that it's part of the status, it's part of the marriage, mm. sure. But you could have just not had them in the pilot and then they were getting, they were being trying to have kids for a mm. couple of years but hadn't got there yet. If they want to like explore the kids cool, like in relation to the grandparents. I just don't think I'm interested that in... That might be more interesting. Yeah, I don't think I'm interested in Midge being a mum, I guess. But like the grandparent stuff, I'm interested in that. Tony Shalhoub hanging out with kids, that sounds pretty fun. But even like, this is their daughter who has since abdicated her responsibilities to the grandparents. Like, that's going to create an interesting relationship. But even that's barely even mentioned. The mm-hmm. parents are totally for, basically, being there to look after the kids. And it's like... I just feel like it's a little uh, superfluous why it's even there. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't have just been there in the pilot. And I kind of wonder whether it was like, we're creating a pilot. We haven't quite figured out where this is all going to go. They have two kids. And now it's like, damn, I wish they didn't have two kids because I don't really want to talk about the kids. They are just, I don't know. It just feels significant enough that it should be talked about to some degree. It was a good way to 
weigh down really how truly terrible Joel is. It, that's that's right. <laughs> yeah. And so it serves that purpose. Mm. It, but but does it if they're not affecting her? Like, has it made Joel eh, whatever if the kid's not even that big a problem? Anyway, I just think it's a little bit. I mean, of, it's a problem for the kids. It's not necessarily a problem for me. But Mitch. we don't spend any time with the kids anyway. He loves his TV. It does he loves his howdy doody? We have duty. that in common. Loves his howdy mm. doody. Um, I just something I want to run by you as well. Did you feel like there was a scene missing in it in the pilot? There's a at the very end. Mm. I've watched that pilot three times. Loser. Yeah. The at the end, mm-hmm. she talks to Lenny Bruce. Right. Mm-hmm. She bails him out, and then they had that scene about do you love, and he's like, yeah, I love it. Or he shrugs or whatever, right? He's like, if I could do anything else, I would do it. And she's like, yeah, he loves it. He loves it, right? Mm. How do I remember that better than you when you watch it three times? The point is, when did that... We never established that they had any connection ever previously. The only time we ever saw them together Mm. was a flashback where her and Joel had seen him at a show. Yeah. And when she gets into the car and she's taken by the police, though there is no conversation that take pl- takes place between them, we are Does only it, left- No, he bails her out. He bails- No, she bails- Oh, sorry. He bails her out. Yeah, that's why she goes back and bails him out. No, other way around. She bails him out the first time. Susie bails him out. Her, bails her out. She bails Lenny Bruce out because she wants to ask him a question. He then bails her out later. In the next episode, when she gets arrested again, then he bails her out. That's why we're even now. Oh, right. So, yeah. but we never saw. They never had a conversation before she, her bailing him out. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they went. We know, but yeah, by but, context, yeah. they went into the cell, into the prison, mm. or into the the police station together. Yeah. But we never ever saw a conversation. Yeah, no. But I think because of who Midge is, the fact that she went through that experience mm-hmm. and she went to jail when he went to jail. Mm-hmm. They are therefore kindred spirits. It's and so she's just, so she's just like, we're one in the same, my friend. But they never he talks mm. like there there's but never you know, a conversation. As much as you say that, yeah. I didn't get the impression of like, well this is weird that they're That's all I got. In- interacting. I didn't get that at all. I was oh. like, oh, I get why she's like I I want to I want to be a part of this, and we've shared this thing. I want I want to get into your world. But the we shared this thing mm. is the bit that's missing. There just need to be half a conversation. Do you know when they're being processed at the police station, mm. or when they're in the police car? Anything suggests they'd ever because it was a cathartic moment, mm-hmm. a moment of like, yes, we are kindred spirits. But there was no nothing that built up to that at. All there was not even a raised eyebrow between the two. Of them, mm. You know what I mean? I think the fact that they're both weird. comedians is enough. But for she's me. not yet. She wants to be, mm-hmm. and he's but a I very think established she comedian. Sees herself as that. And so on that premise alone, having been in the same car with him is all we have. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to bail him out. Mm-hmm. Very weird. I don't think that. I no, think the motive. I didn't get that vibe. Oh man, I watched that three times. Every time I was like, "There's a scene mm. missing here." It's weird that you watch it three times and still can't really remember it. But yeah, I remember it perfectly well. <laughs> uh, what do you got for me? You know, I, d- I, I don't agree with that one. Um, oh, we've talked a lot about Joel, so let's move on to Susie. <laughs> we can talk more about Joel if you want. I just want let's to punch m- him right no, in the no, face. No, 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 no. his nose. Let's move on to Susie, my friend. Right in the kisser. Yes, please. I love Susie. She is a rough and gruff pit bull, but there is so much heart behind her. She's shy and awkward and uncomfortable 
And I get the feeling she would be much more of a delicate flower if she was allowed to be. But, Mm. you know, being a butch presenting woman in the 1950s would have sucked in a lot of ways. What were your thoughts on Susie? Yeah, I really like Susie a lot. She Mm. is, as you sort of um, suggest, I think, earlier, or maybe this is something on my mind, Mm. they just are a good balancing act between the two Mm. of them. Obviously, Midge, who, as we said, is the hyper-talented but also hyper-capable in all of her domestic goddess ways as well. You know, she's great with her makeup. She can work in in, um, B. Altman's, whatever it's called as well, and do all of that stuff. So, Midge can sort of represent all of the expected femininity of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Susie is a great contrast as to a different type of woman, one that is not appreciated in the ways that, in fact, is sort of ignored or is just assumed to be a man and has a very different time finding her um, footing or finding her significance in that 1950s culture. I thought... That's a great little pairing to have. And then, mm-hmm. you know, those the mm-hmm. old couple stuff works great. Susie having all of the knowledge but none of the talent and um, Midge having all the talent but none of the knowledge great, gives them a great reason to be together. They work great as a team. Um, they bring out different sides of each other. I uh, I think their their pairing is perfect. It's a it's classic stuff, but it's excellent. Yeah, I did have moments of wondering if Susie had... She's obviously a very funny lady. Mm-hmm. Of, I did wonder if maybe she had tried to be a stand-up in the past. I would have thought so, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I was just thinking that when you said that she had, you know, none of the the talent. But I think, like, in that era, obviously looking like Midge, being mm-hmm. a beautiful woman, being feminine, obviously much more palatable to the public um, and the industry as well. But this this woman who is, you know... A force to be reckoned with. Susie, she's, you know, got a whole lot of gumption to deal with, but there's just, there's no place for her, unfortunately. And so she's put all of her eggs in one basket, which is Midge, and that must be really scary for her. And I think we see that quite often, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do like the, yeah, the performance um, of Susie is great. She's just very, very funny Mm. and very, like that's, (laughs) no, this is stereotyping a little bit, that very Rosie O'Donnell type of like, um, character. I think of her like characters in, say, League of Their Own or something mm. like that. And it's in the, of that, that of that sort of mold. Mm-hmm. And that's that's great. I enjoy that greatly. I mean, I they're my favorite couple. Like, oh I'd, yeah. I was like, I fucking love this friendship, but also, do I wish there was maybe something more? <laughs> do you? I mean, well, they might go there. Who knows? They won't. Um, but it occurred to me. I was like, maybe, maybe. I think if Susie's character was a man, there would be that. But an older lesbian woman, it's no, it's that's never going to happen. Sure. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I just kind of want to talk about how much I hated Joel and how much I love Susie, <laughs> to be honest with you. That was the main things. Yeah. I did want to talk about the, the evolution of the understanding of not just comedy, but the business mm. and how Susie's sort of... Um, the way she guides Midge through that is really fun. So we've got things like, or, or the lessons that Midge is learning along the way, like the assumption that she can just go up there and and sort of wing it, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. You know that she, yes, she's got this raw talent, but it does need to be, um, sort of fined down or or, or refined in a way. Mm-hmm. Is an important lesson. Yeah, no, I lo- I love the thought when she was talking to Susie. She's like, "What if like I need to be." Drunk, drunk or yeah. high when I'm on stage to be funny. I was like, 
oh, sister, been there before. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, fuck, I'm hilarious when I'm drunk and high. Oh, God, I really peaked. You're like, that's not actually true. Perception is way off. Um, but yeah, it's it's a skill like any other that you need to like hone and refine and do the work for. Yeah. And then she overcompensates by going to get someone to write jokes for her, so they're not even her own jokes, and doesn't get a chance to even look at them before Fuck, she goes on that's stage. Funny. And that is a hard scene to watch her bomb so hard. Oh. And I I love the bombing scenes though. Mm, I me love too. watching that felt exactly right where this story needed to be, mm-hmm. and it was hard to watch, but it was exactly the lesson that needed to be learned. It was hard to watch her quit. As well. Yeah. But then it was that weird thing where she went and started doing parties where she was a hoot. Mm-hmm. But as Susie said, that's not that's not the same thing, you know? You're doing this for free. They're Everyone's drunk. Yeah. You know, you're just that weird lady that talked a lot they're gonna talk about later. <laughs> like, you know, you're not getting anything from I did this. think that. I was like, if I was at a fucking party and there was this woman <laughs> that would not shut up and just thought she was the funniest thing in the world, I would hate it. Yeah. And then when Susie said that, I was like, Yeah, good. I'm glad there's still some Sensible people in the world, yeah. They're, Susie's disappointing and approving looks are potent. Mm. When she watches Joel do that Bob Hope, you know, Abe Lincoln yeah. with the publicist bit. God, I loved And her she just seething, rolls her eyes. Seething, just like, you just pathetic piece of shit. Another pathetic man who thinks he's funny. Yeah. Uh, brilliant. And then to see that pride swell up in her. Mm-hmm. One of my all-time favourite scenes... There's a couple, but one of my all-time favourite scenes is there's a montage, almost like a Rocky montage at the start of episode seven, of Midge figuring out her tight ten. Mm-hmm. And so seeing her like do her joke and getting like a smattering of laughter. Mm-hmm. And you can see Susie seeing there going like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. And then seeing that evolve until the, she like, found mum the- and dad sex joke yeah. that she refines. Yeah. And just get to the point where it's got that punch that gets the whole room laughing. And it's just like, that was fu- that was spine tingling to yeah. watch. It was so good. <laughs> And it's great to see, like, the craft of it. Because I think, like, there's, you know, been quite a few shows and movies about stand-up comedians. Mm -hmm. God, so often it's just not funny. Yeah. Um, And seeing someone work through to get to the funny is often not very entertaining. It's like, ugh. Because usually, like, the end is, the end result isn't that funny. Sure. What was the point? But this show really does produce some great comedy, particularly yep. like for Midge. Like, there's there's some stand up that I I don't get, but I also can be like, oh, well, it's the fifties. I was gonna say some of it's just era specific. Yeah, different sense of humor. Yeah, I mean Jane Lynch gets up on stage, <laughs> and I was like, this is dumb, but I get yes. why like people of the era would find that so 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 funny. Um. Can we just speak about Jane Lynch? For we a can, please. That let's was... do it. <laughs> Put that on your plate. Sorry. Oh God! And I, yeah. So she does this incredible character. I can't remember the character's name. Uh, do you have it? I, I can find it, but go on. Yeah. Um. So she plays this great character, you know, and very like aware of like what is funny and what's not. And then we go to her home. Which is just absurd. Sophie Lennon, sorry. Sophie Lennon. The exact same level of absurd as her character, just on the different spectrum. Just on the different side of that spectrum. spectrum, And she's living in some sort of Queen Elizabeth fantasy (laughs) that is just so absurd. So, so, so absurd. Yeah. Um, I mean, I love Jane Lynch. I love anything that Jane Lynch does. I think she's absolute magic and I... You know, it was it was pretty satisfying at the end to watch Midge roast 
roast good old Sophie. That is possibly the the that's the other one of my favorite scenes, right? So that that's a great episode, episode seven. Mm. Spoiler's not my favorite episode, but honorable mention. Mm-hmm. That ending, right, where she is roasting um, mm. Sophie Lennon, because there are three things going through my mind, right? The emotions. Yeah. One, just it's exhilarating to see Midge just killing it. You're like fuck yeah. Yeah. Truth. Two. Speak that truth. It's mm-hmm. funny. So it's I'm laughing. Genuinely hilarious. Yeah. And Put that on your plate. Yeah, it's great. And three, I am terrified because you know and as well as this Alex is going. Alex Borstein kills it when that guy turns around her and is like, you're dead in this town. And she looks so devastated. Yes. She is so upset. And you feel it. You're like, fuck, all of her like years and years of like waiting for the right person. She's found them. This is the moment. They have a tight 10. They've worked yeah. for it. And then this happens and <laughs> blows up in her face and she's devastated. One thing I loved that mm-hmm. I did not see coming after that moment, I expected a big conflict between the two. Mm-hmm. Fast forward into later that evening, they are just at a bar yeah. drinking, commiserating together, being like, fuck fuck why did that happen but laughing having a drink because they're friends and it's not this stupid tv drama where it's like i hate you i've never speak to you again blah blah blah, conflict it's like how the fuck are we gonna dig ourselves out of this hole i loved it it was like true friendship the moment that was good there as well is yes they're having that like woe is me or not just woe is sorry the the world is ending sky's Mm. falling moment right yeah and then they get drunk and they wake up hung over the next day and they have a conversation (laughs) on the phone and Susie is like well, as shit as that was, you've got those two crappy gigs. We'll do those two yeah. crappy gigs. You do those two shitty gigs, you'll make four shitty gigs. Mm, and it's like, so she so saw, people, yeah. She, yeah. Uh, her value there is like, she understands that they're, it's not an easy road. We've really put mm-hmm. ourselves in a ditch here, but we can work our way out of this and this is how we're going to do mm. it. It's going to be long and arduous and not what we wanted, but yeah. it's not over. And like, that's a great moment too. Yeah. And I also just love the simplicity of that moment where the, Two friends on the phone, both incredibly hungover. And Susie's like, I've got to vomit. And Midge is like, oh, close the door if you're going to vomit. She's like, I don't have a door. And she's like, <laughs> as though they're in the same room. Yeah, like, yeah. It was just, it's just so organic and lovely. It's, oh, it's so refreshing to watch. Yeah. Um, the, I did worry as well when I love that I think the, the show did this purposefully. Mm-hmm. When Jane Lynch's character tells uh, Midge that she's going to have to put on a character. Yeah. We have seen her take poor advice previously. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, don't do it, Midge. Yeah. And so when instead of putting on some shit character, <laughs> she starts laying into her and I'm like, that is a much better result. Yeah. Oh, no, this is terrible. But still, <laughs> at least she learned from her previous mistake. Yeah. It's um, like, it, that's the thing. It's like, it's make your own mistakes as opposed to just blindly follow the advice of others and still make them. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'm learning. I'm being proactive. I'm learning like my own craft, how to navigate it, whatever. Yes. But I also love like, uh, you know, the aftermath of of all of that shit. And then, you know, women are coming up to her being like, that was fucking hilarious. Yeah. Like, I really appreciate that, which was nice. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. Uh, I've got a couple of side notes. Mm-hmm. 
you are always the funny one, is what mm. Midge's oh, brother says to him. I love that brother. I was so like, what you're a, a beautiful man. Good brother. Mm. I love that moment. He's just a good man. He's like, I'll never leave my wife because obviously why would I? She's amazing. And also, you're the funny one and I just want to hang out with you. Oh, what a doll. And just because it was the truth too. Like, Absolutely. There was, there was nothing untrue about that. No. Um, something we talked about before the podcast a little bit. Rachel Brosnahan is like this genetic combination of every brunette Hollywood style style of the last 10 years. You said Evan Rachel Wood. That was on my list as well. Mm-hmm. Alison Brie, we both agree on. Mm-hmm. I said Naomi Watts in there a little bit. I think I you kind of agree with that one. I get that, yeah. I also think there's a bit of Amelia Clark, a little Hard bit of a, disagree. of a young Rachel Weisz in Hard there as disagree. well. Especially, I'm, I keep thinking of Evie from The Mummy. Hard disagree. It's very in there. Uh, even a bit of Julie Andrews, like Mary Poppins era, which is a lot of things. That she just, I just kept looking. I'm like, maybe it's just that she's magnetic to look at, but also going, you're just, I know your face from everything. <laughs> it was just a weird scenario. All I know is that I find her incredibly attractive. I mean, that's true too. She's ridiculous, Oof. ridiculous. Mm. Only so talented. Made, the comedic timing. Yeah. Totally. Mm. It's all there. Um, there were some great guest star cameos as well. We've already mentioned Jane Lynch. Mm-hmm. Um, David Paymer, who plays the the booking agent that's, you're dead in this town. He's mm-hmm. been in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, Wallace Shaw, who plays, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, the guy who writes the jokes. Oh, the deli guy. The deli yeah, guy yeah. writes the jokes. Who's in image. everything and obviously Especially Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. And yeah. he's Rex from Toy Story as well. <laughs> and Gilbert Gottfried. Who's in the opening? Very brave. Very brave. I was like, nice oh, he's in this. Never saw him again. <laughs> Just nice to see Iago show up for a second. Uh, also, there are s- some real life elements that we should talk about mm-hmm. in the show. Lenny Bruce. Um, yeah. I did not realize that Lenny Bruce was a real comedian. Oh, really? No, no idea. Because that's a big... He's got a fairly featured part. But- yeah. I think because I love Bill Hicks so much and... You know, he's certainly inspired by Lenny Bruce that I kind of knew about Lenny sure. Bruce. I've never listened to or oh, no, I have seen a stand-up on YouTube, pretty sure, of right. Lenny Bruce a long time ago. But is yeah. it a good impression? Like, uh, I kept thinking he was Columbo. Like, that's what we were going for <laughs> in the first impression of the first episode. Oh, is it a good impression? I mean, I, I guess. I mean, it's hard to say because people on stage are not always who they are. So, Jane Lynch's character, for instance. Yeah. So I don't know. I yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's it's fine. It's uh, not like whoa, that's him, but it's fine. A couple of other real life people as well. Mm-hmm. Jane Jacobs, the activist from Washington Square Park. Yeah, she's I, a real person. I figured she'd be real. Uh, Red Skelton, who is the comedian they go and watch. They're sort of from the kitchen of that place. Oh, uh, yeah. I he, figured he'd be real. So. He's a real comedian. Oh wait, no, I I googled him. Yeah. 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 And the Gaslight Cafe was actually a real place. As well. Oh, so there you go. I don't know if it's still there or not. But there you go. There you go. Uh, do you have any side notes? Um, just a couple of instances of bad optics. Ooh, okay. <laughs> um, one was it's at the very beginning uh, when a black female poet, <laughs> she's awful, but mm. still, um, was pushed off stage by Susie to make way for Midge. I was like, Ey. that was episode. Oh, Two that she was pushed off? Maybe, yeah. 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 She just comes in after like the thing is like, Whoa! I mean, the poem's terrible, but yes. still, it looks really bad. I 100% agree. Um, and two, where during that protest with What's Her Face, yes. um, a black woman is informing the ignorant privileged woman mm-hmm. um, and then Midge is immediately given a platform to speak I also while the black too. woman has to watch. And I was like... 
that looks really bad. I mean, probably very accurate, but yep. also strange not to comment on it because it looks real bad. I'm glad that didn't go somewhere else. I was expecting that to maybe... That's a, it's a weird element to include. Because mm. like, oh, I just had a brief stint, you know, being part of a protest. And yeah. it's like, that's all it's really made of it. It's like, how cute for you that yeah. you're like part of a protest. Oh. I 100% agree with both of those, mm. actually. Yeah. And there is stuff in here that's a little bit... And some of it is just maybe because it's true to the era. And some of it is... Um, what's interesting, obviously, with Midge is that because she is that very... Um, classic idea of like 1950s feminine as well. Mm. She embraces that. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, could we be commenting on this a little bit more? They do comment on her, like her looks a lot in terms of that she waits till Joel's asleep and then does all her, yeah. you know, overnight prep work, then gets up before him. And I remember like in high school, mm. and it's probably not strange to many girls in high school. It was for me because I wasn't getting laid back then. Um, but, <laughs> One of our mutual friends, I won't say who. Tell me after. Yeah, I will. She was dating a guy for a couple of years or whatever and she would, yeah, they would have sex or whatever and she'd wait until he fell asleep to like take off her makeup. No. Oh, really? Okay, I'm interested to know who it is. (laughs) Sorry, you just mouthed who it was and I was like, no, it wasn't that. Oh, interesting. But yeah, she she would do that and I would just, I just remember thinking that that was crazy. Crazy, because you've known someone for a long time and you love them, but it's still like, I have to be a woman. I have to be a beautiful woman all the time. Not their fault, by the way. No, that's no. the fucking culture. But, but that was the expectation, and that's yeah. what I loved about that scene in the in, mm. the in the pilot. And I loved the follow up, and we see Rose doing that as well. Yeah, the and it's just like, oh, so this good. is just mm-hmm. consistent. Uh, fa- oh no, sorry, least favorite episode, Damas. Damask. What the fuck was that? I did Damask Brad. last week as well. Um, did you? Yeah, I did. You you made a comment. You made. A, oh, did I? Uh, yeah, probably. You should have blacked it out. Um, Lee's favorite. I think I'm just gonna have to go with literally the one with the protest in it, just because I thought that was fucking weird. I don't even know the purpose of that. Where she's like, "We can't have roads," and I'm gonna do a stand up gig in front of all these people for no fucking reason. That one, but I don't know the number of it. Couldn't tell you either off the top of my head. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What's yours? Uh, Episode two Mm. uh, gets off to a weird start when they just replay the last 60 seconds of the first episode as well. Mm -hmm. Weird way to start it. Um, Don't spend way too much time with Joel. Why aren't we with Midge? I talked about my problems with the dialogue. I thought it was a little heavy handed in that Mm -hmm. episode. Um, Yeah. And that that was the main thing. I was at my lowest point with the season. Came off that massive hype episode one. Was like, where are, what are we doing here? Why is this That's happening? pretty good that your lowest of the season was like was episode two. Oh, from there on, that's it was, pretty great. It was all yeah. up from there. And once <laughs> it like, awesome. I think it, I think what happened, if I have to guess, mm. is that they got that great pilot, and they're like, "Fuck, there's some really heavy lifting we need to do to get this on track to where we want it. Let's just shove it in the front, and then it'll get better from here. And it does. It gets better mm. from there, yeah. without doubt. Uh, favorite episode. I'm gonna have to go with episode one. Mm-hmm. So the show comes in with as much energy as Mrs. Maisel attacks life. It does what a pilot should do. It sets up our players and leaves us wanting more. The stand-up at the end is great and you want to see where Midge's life goes from there. Uh, we also get an incredibly layered character in a first episode. She's in the typical portrayal of a 50s housewife that we usually get, which is, you know, either silently unfulfilled and suffering or so totally repressed that they come across as childish or brain dead. Midge flourishes as a housewife. She loves it, but she's also allowed to be intelligent and insightful. Um, 
But, you know, by the end of it, we see the potential in her and we want more. It's a great episode. I 100% agree. Episode mm-hmm. one, is, the pilot is also my favorite episode for all the reasons you mentioned, for all the reasons I've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to give an honorable mention, a shout out to episode seven, which I think is if is the second best and a very close um, second best mm-hmm. to um, the first episode. It is got that amazing opening with the montage, the ending mm. sequence is edge of your seat stuff, all the stuff with Jane Lynch in the middle. It's a very, very good episode it's of the fantastic, show. It yeah. is awesome. Uh, I also just want to say, you mentioned the, the end of the stand-up at the end. That feature of every episode, just having like Midge's type yeah. five, that episode. I was like, yes. I It's something to look forward to every time you turn it on an episode. If there's going to be, uh, there wasn't, it didn't fail once. There was always a Midge being funny, doing stand-up bit. And that's Which a is joy. like, without that, this show would die. Like, you need an actress and you need the material there to kind of like come together. And you need to believe that she's funny yeah, and that 100%. she is talented. And we get that with most episodes. Like, fuck yeah, you are talented. I, I want you to persevere. I want you to continue to evolve your craft. Yeah. Mm. I just think of it as like a structural, like... Per, like a structural element of the show that we should expect going forward. It's like Glee has music. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is going to have right, Midge doing stand-up. No, I just mean that's that's a <laughs> no, selling point. Yeah. And I'm glad it's there because it's, it's mm-hmm. always good. Um, do you have any predictions, hopes or concerns going forward? My concern is that we waste more time in season two on relationships, I think. I would like... Um, a real focus on Midge and her career and friendships, I think, would be really cool to sure. focus on. Um, and the troubles of the time coming up as a independent woman, I think that's where the real interest is. I think that's where the real character growth is. Um, yeah, my concern is just that it's not going to be as sharp as season one was. What about you? I just hope that she doesn't get back together with Joel. That's a very long-term <laughs> thing, but yeah. Joel does not deserve you, Midge. Not yet, buddy. Definitely not yet. I also have, hope she has at least one lesbian dalliance. Please, please. <laughs> one, one what, sorry? Lesbian dalliance. Dalliance? Dalliance. What's that word? What's that word? I don't dalliance? Understand. No. What's that mean? You don't know what a dalliance is. I do not know what a dalliance um, is. Please educate like, me. It's like a, a, a funner tryst. If you a will. tryst. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, like cool. Little, you want a little, little lesbian bit of tryst. Yeah, you yeah. want her just to explore her, yeah. you know, that side of her sexuality a little bit. Yeah. Okay, exactly. gotcha. Just have a bit of fun here and there. Sure. That'd be, but yeah, cool. Why not? I Why thought, not? I thought you were making fun of me for saying dalliance. No, I honestly I like, just no, did not I know what saying that word, right? dalliance was. It's a oh. very, I've learnt my word of the day. There you go. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo and design work comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws. Um, you, our theme song is from Jordan Calavis and our bumpers from Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S. This week, I've just been fishing for crimes of Grindelwald spoilers so I don't have to see the new movie. <laughs> I got my wish eventually. Uh, Damask? Um, you can find me at Big Dicks for Sale. No, that's, that's a terrible joke. But it made Broad look down in shame, so that's all I wanted. No, you can find me you at... You are not the marvellous <laughs> Mrs. Maisel, as well, so... You <laughs> work on your material. Oh, that's a harsh burn. All right, no, you can find me at Maskymo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. 
I don't know what I mean. I probably told Scott Morrison to go fuck himself. You definitely as did. <laughs> as deserved. I was going to call you Joel, but at least you're coming up with your own material. So that's, Thank that's you. something. I pre- that's right. I'm, I'm crap, but I'm original. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Next episode, we'll be back to discuss the first season of The Legend of Korra. So uh, we did Avatar The Last Airbender. Back last in the year. day when back, we were kids. Way back in the day. When a series that I love. A series mm. that I'm... With great anticipation, wondering what the um, the new live action version of that's going to be. He masturbates to it all the time. And now we're going to <laughs> discuss the rolling. sequel series, um, <laughs> set seventy years after the original, mm. uh, about Korra, the next Avatar, The Legend of Korra. I highly recommend people watch this. Yeah, it is on Amazon Prime for people who want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, go and buy the Blu-rays, guys, because it's worth it. I've got them all. Um, in the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.